Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. With the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Yeah, that, that, that's not Will Levis. That's Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson is a story. And it doesn't seem to have Colts fans upset at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I broke this down with JMV. We actually had a couple conversations, not only about the Colts in the draft, but the draft in general. This specifically about the Colts, about Anthony Richardson, about where uh, the general manager, Chris Ballard, is. And clearly, Chris Ballard is in total control of this team and its future. But let's start where we start with JMV from 93.5107.5. The fan. Um, tell me about Anthony Richardson. Tell me your thoughts on this pick. Now, you know what? It makes sense. I mean, it does. And here's the thing, Tony. I, I said this all along. I wasn't really going to be angry or mad about a quarterback that they were going to take it for. I was going to be angry or mad if they traded back or didn't get a quarterback in this draft because it was long past time to stop the whole veteran Band-Aid treatment and do just this. So if you want to look at the upside of Anthony Richardson, don't look at his stats while he was quarterback in Florida. 13 start, started games, you know, obviously not a great completion percentage, not a lot of accuracy. That's fine. He's 20 years old, and he is the most athletically gifted quarterback to ever enter the NFL out of college. And now it's up to this, Tony. It is up to Shane Steichen. It's a guy that they signed for six years and they believe in, who helped tutor Phillip Rivers at the end of his career, who helped bring along Justin Herbert, and then who did a year ago with Jalen Hurts what Jalen Hurts did to get to the Super Bowl. This is who they're entrusting the future of that position and this 20-year-old quarterback, he is in the hands of Shane Steichen. So two things that you noticed last night with the selection, Tony. One was, I think, and I think this is absolutely accurate, that Shane Steichen had to be the final sign-off on who he wanted to be his quarterback, who he wanted to mold. I think you saw that last night, and I think you also noticed you mentioned this regarding Chris Ballard. You know that now, because you've got a 20-year-old quarterback that's very inexperienced that you have to bring along, that, as I've said all along, Chris Ballard's got three more years. This is a reboot. Chris Ballard's got at least three years to bring this thing along. And Shane Steichen, I think, had the loudest voice in terms of who he wanted as the future quarterback of the Colts. That's my assessment after last night on the surface. We'll talk about later on today. But a lot of interesting scenarios going on there, Tony. Yeah, Richardson, by the way, 54.7% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Uh, he also ran 161 times for over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, so if he's not able to throw it, he is able to run it, which gives you uh, visions of Jalen Hurts uh, running yeah. uh, through through your head, which is great when you're a young, uh, athletic, uh, and fully healthy quarterback. Doesn't necessarily work when you are Lamar Jackson, uh, which I, I, I bring that up again. This is a lot of of risk. Your argument is, and maybe this was Ballard's argument, I've got the guy who knows how to bring quarterbacks along. I admit that I'm in a rebuilding. I've got an offensive line that i got to retool anyway, but I've got all the pieces that can be here for another decade, a full decade amongst uh, those guys. 
this is the moment. It's a now or never. And besides, I have to rebuild anyway because I haven't been able to satisfy the quarterback position since Andrew Luck left. Yeah, no doubt, Tony. You go back to that Philadelphia game. Remember the, the one the Colts had an opportunity to win back in, I think, November, October of a year ago, whatever the case was. But Jim Irsay remarked after that game how vital having a guy like Jalen Hurts is a quarterback because you're such a dual threat and you have to account for him in so many different capacities that it's almost like you have an extra man on the field. And it's funny, I was thinking about that last night when I decided to go with Richardson. That kind of held true. And I like the fact that it appears to me that when you bring in a coach, I know he's a first-year head coach, but you bring him in, you sign him for six years, and he is most noted for building quarterbacks in different styles, Tony, of quarterbacks. You bring him in with, I think, what is the check mark of approval over anybody else on who he wants to build, who he wants to mold. I said this about what was said regarding C.J. Stroud, where people had said, well, you know what, he's not coachable. He won't be coachable in the NFL. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be a leader. I think there are so many assets that Richardson has athletically you can build into, you can mold into what he is going to be in so many of those categories. But, man, he is athletic, and it has juiced, I think, a fan base, Tony. We've talked about this in recent weeks, a juiceless fan base around here. They were just kind of going, eh, yeah, whatever they're going to do. There is no doubt, man. The people people did not look at this pick and and, and say, oh, my gosh, what is Chris Ballard doing? Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan here in Indianapolis. Fans, Colts fans looked at this pick and said, that's cool. They don't seem bothered by it, which leads us now to the Will Levis conversation. This guy did not go in the first round. All the talk was about him. Is this a story of hype on hype, or is this a, a, a story of something happened that made people say, you know what, uh, I don't need to bring myself in one more quarterback. Let me get these position players in all the ways I need them because after after number four, after the Colts, whoop, it's mo- it, there, there's a lot of defense in that top ten and only two running backs in the top 12. Well, I think part of it is, too, you only had a couple of teams that you thought maybe logically would take a quarterback. It's funny. Somebody asked me last night, Tony, if I thought that had the the Colts selected Levis, if Richardson would have taken such an incredible slide into the second round as he has, I would doubt it. I think somebody would have taken a shot at him then. But I think that was part of it. There just were not a lot of quarterback needs in these uh, drafting team positions that we saw. So I think Levis was certainly victim to that. Now, you go back with me, and I had old information. I mean, it goes back to even when the Colts were in season that they they like Levis, and you have to hand it to the Colts because they locked this thing up tight. And whether or not they let Jim Irsay be privy to, you know, maybe the deepest conversations they were had about the direction they were going to go, we can argue and debate that all we want, but they kept that thing locked up tight exactly how you have to. And a lot of people, Tony, have suggested – you know, Chris Ballard with a smoke screen, and he fooled national people, and he fooled Vegas, you know, and he fooled oh, yeah, yeah, JMV, you know, you're talking about how it's going to be Levis. I, I thought the biggest smoke screen ever was a year ago when he tried to sell, they tried to sell Matt Ryan to everybody, and after basically the first series of downs, you saw that that wasn't true. I don't think that this was a smoke screen or a sales job. I just think this is a great job of drafting the guy, targeting the guy that you wanted, and then keeping quiet about it and sitting there and waiting for him to comfortably fall in your lap, and that's exactly what happened. I can't say it enough. Uh, Chris Ballard, the GM, has total control of this team. Total control 
of this team. All these years, not being able to get a quarterback that makes sense, not getting a quarterback that can last, not being able to create a winner, all that offensive line uh, opportunity and not getting it to gel, having to go through now yet another coach, and this is not an anti-Shane Steichen thing at all, at all. I have no reason to have an issue with Shane Steichen. Through it all, he's still in charge. This was him. This was him. Now, this is clearly also, as JMV points out, Shane Steichen, the coach, saying, um, I can build something with this because Shane Steichen's a guy who's built uh, quarterbacks. He built Justin Herbert, right? He's 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 worked with quarterbacks. Like, uh, well, what's his name? Oh, my God, Philip Rivers. I couldn't remember the name Philip Rivers for a while. He's done this work, so he knows how to do it. Give me a guy that's moldable clay and watch me do my thing. Not only is this is this Chris Ballard uh, saying, I can put my stamp on this. This is my team. I've got, I've got rebuild years ahead of me. This is Shane Steichen saying, okay, I'm willing to go out on the limb here. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go out on the limb. I'm willing to bring this guy along. I'm willing to mold him into an NFL quarterback because all the requisite pieces are there. And I've got enough faith in Gardner to be able that if something goes wrong, I feel I've got a guy who can throw the ball, and that's Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew knows, coming into the Colts, that he's going to be backing up whoever it is that that's the Colts picked. But in this case, he's got to believe, at least I think he's got to believe, he's also going to have to engage some playing time. He's going to have to engage some building. He's got to be a guy who is really and truly prepared. Now, Minshew's fun. You know, call him Uncle Rico. Nothing compared to the, the physicality and the physical ability of Anthony Richardson. But if you want your quarterback to last, you got to be able to, especially with a guy like Richardson, he, you got to be able to let him run. You got to be able to let him move. You got to be able to let him scramble. But you got to teach him how to be able to sit in the pocket and try and make the thing happen. You got to be able to build that along. So Colts fans have got to get ready for a rebuilding. Minju has to be ready to at least start some while this guy comes along. That's my take. And people are going to be like, Tony, they're going to put Anthony Richardson in game one, and they're never going to let him leave. If the guy is bleeding out of his eyeballs, they're going to make him play two more sets of downs, right? Two more series. They're going to do it. You're not wrong. I just think that that there is a role for Minshew here, and I like that he's here. Steichen clearly brought him in for a a, a purpose, with maybe a thought uh, to this. This is this is putting it all on the line. But they go three seasons and don't have uh, some results. Ballard's still here, and by the way, three seasons because everybody and their mother, myself included, was like, "He goes right." You get rid of Frank Reich, you're not getting rid of this guy. You notice Frank Reich is still in the league the coach of the Panthers, who now gets Bryce Young. And uh, and um, maybe maybe Frank Reich knows a little something about throwing the ball. Meanwhile, um, uh, I feel good for the Colts. I like it. But not only was the Colts, you know, picking, everybody was picking, and the draft got fascinating with the Texans, weird with the Lions. I mean, there's some, some real questions there, and what the bloody heck happened to Will Levis? The quarterback from the University of Kentucky, I know. Tony, what's with all the sports? Man, it's a day for it. It's a day for and I'm I'm breaking down the border left and right, my experiences. Can we can we have a little bit of levity? I also uh continued my conversation later in the day with JMV from 93.5-1075 the fan and really broke down, you know, what we took out of 
this draft. I've got that coming right up. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. It's almost like the General Assembly in Indiana had to work. They had to actually show up and be a little tired and maybe stretch and fight through because the session did not conclude until after 2 a.m. when they finally put a wrap on the thing and said, okay, here's the budget. We're going home. Bye. And uh, they, uh, I, I, I assume they're skipping town if they haven't already. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Uh, a couple of things uh, took place, and one of those things was was a whole bunch of a whole bunch of loot, a whole bunch more money going for education. Because of course, the answer is once again, we're not spending enough on education. They have a goal; they want to reach an average teacher salary of sixty thousand dollars a year. I don't oppose this. I've said before, and I'll say it again. I mean every single word of it. I want the state of Indiana to have the highest paid teachers in all of America. I just want to be able to get rid of the bad teachers. You know there are bad teachers. I know there are bad teachers. Just like there are bad cops, just like there are bad doctors, just like there's bad all over the place. I want to get rid of the bad teachers. And if unions aren't willing to get rid of bad teachers like they want unions to get rid of bad cops, well, then we've got nothing. We've got nothing. But I also want the teachers union broken in two. I want the teachers union broken in two because I've got people like Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, claiming she wasn't the one working to keep schools closed. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City. I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was an ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified. Others were terrified. And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves. And we worked with doctors and we worked with others. And we just tried to get it out there. Okay. Now you're all- so because you lived in New York, because you were afraid, you made everybody else afraid. You looked at something, decided, well, that's just the way it is. And you never once actually looked at data. What are you, what are you claiming you, you were relying on the science? That's a lie. What you did is you took the Pauline Kael approach. Pauline Kael is, is a name of, of a high society in New York, a socialite in New York back in the day, in the 70s. And the line attributed to Pauline Kael, and I'm not saying that she actually said it. It's attributed to her, and that's the way it is. When Richard Nixon won his uh, election, uh, she, in, in, in 72, uh, she, uh, was 72? Yeah, it was 72, right? Uh, she said, uh, Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon. I don't know anybody who voted for Richard Nixon because you don't know anybody who voted for Richard Nixon. He didn't win. This is what happens with people and their very, very small views of the world. They have nine friends who all tell them the same thing and they have this tremendous influence and they assume that's the way it is. 
So Randy Weingarten decides she can be a child, look at something, and decide that's the way the rest of the world is, and uh, kids didn't get to go to school. And now she wants to claim that she wasn't uh, working to close schools, just like Dr. Fauci wants to claim fantastically that he wasn't a guy in favor of shutting down schools. Well, that's true, Caitlin. But the point that I made in my response uh, to the reporter in the New York Times article was that what it is, is that there was a personification of me as the person who essentially closed everything down. Those were public health recommendations that came from the CDC. And I have always been very supportive of the CDC. He's lying through his teeth. The The record is clear of the amount of times he said we have to shut it down. It's important to shut it down. We need to shut it down to the extent that we can shut it down. This is absolutely what he pushed. He made America believe that this was necessary. He's an awful guy. What does this have to do with education in the state of Indiana? Well, I don't mind more money going to it. I just want it going to actual education. And I want it following the student. So when we take a look at what's happened with education, we should take a look at the fact that there was this massive uproar about money going for vouchers. Why? What's the problem with money going where a parent wants it to go? Money goes with the student, not with the system. Money can only go where the union tells it to go. Forget the union. Don't care about the union. I care about the students. I care about single black mothers in Gary, Indiana. I care about the people of Muncie. I want the people who surround Bloomington to be able to choose what happens to their kid. They know best, and it should not be a one-size-fits-all education. Not at all. Now, is, is, is that what we're going to do with the money? Or are we going to keep doing the same old on the same old with the same old for the same old? That's my issue. Speaking of same old on the same old on the same old, uh, Donald Rainwater announced his candidacy for governor. Donald Rainwater, the libertarian, nice dude. Uh, uh, he uh, went on uh, 93.1 FM WIBC, of course, my my home station with Rob Kendall and Casey Daniels, and announced that uh, he was running for re-election. Hoosier parents, not the government, deserve to make the choice where their children go to school. So uh, clearly uh, he's got my vote there. No, I don't know if he has my vote, but certainly we agree on that. I, I like it. I, I like that he's getting back in the race. He did fair in the previous previous gubernatorial, but it's not so much about him as much as it is the Libertarian Party in Indiana that needs to be able to create more excitement. What I think is interesting is that if the best the Republican Party can do is Mike Braun and Suzanne Crouch, I'm not anti I'm not anti Crouch. Don't get me wrong. I am saying that this is not an exciting field. So maybe they can create some excitement. But then again, Donald Rainwater isn't necessarily the most exciting guy. So where will the real policy differences be to get people interested in the Libertarian Party? Well, maybe it'll be part of this education conversation. Maybe that'll be it. I don't know. But he is now in the race. You know what's fascinating? No Republican yet taking on Jim Banks for uh, the Senate seat. I find that, I mean, I happen to like uh, Congressman Banks on a personal and professional level. But nobody's going to go against him? Nobody's going to run against him? Anybody else find that weird? I find it strange that for such a high-profile position, no other Republican's like, yeah, I'm going to throw myself in the ring, going to give it a shot. 
I find that very interesting. This is Tony Katz today. So the first round of the NFL draft takes place. And yeah, the Colts get Anthony Richardson, quarterback from University of Florida, to be uh, their future. We talked about it. But what about the moves from the Texans? And how about the strange moves from the Lions? And dear Lord, what happened to University of Kentucky quarterback Will Levis? Is there an issue there? Or is he just a victim uh, of circumstance? And are there teams out there who, well, are looking for opportunities later on down the road. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. I brought JMV back to break these other things down. Let's get a full picture of things because there is uh, not only, you know, just the the, the question of, of who's getting picked, but what are these teams actually building for now or for the future? And then there's, there's this huge of course it's the nfl it's it's the draft there's a big conversation about money money is getting spent and i'm not just talking about what the baltimore ravens did in keeping lamar jackson because i don't think they necessarily had an option what was it 187 million in guaranteed money it's all just nuts there he is the man himself jmv from 93.51075 the fan the voice of sports in indiana uh, I, we should get into the Lamar Jackson thing because there's a there's a great story there as a lesson for the idea of whether or not anybody can get full on guaranteed money and how much the Jalen Hurts contract affected the Lamar Jackson contract. But but walk me through the first two picks of this draft because they're the only two picks that went according to plan. Bryce Young of Alabama going to the Panthers and then C.J. Stroud of Ohio State going to the Texans. Yeah, and then what happened was Houston kind of blew it up a little bit, right? I mean, they really went out, and, you know, we've heard this past couple of years about the all chips in with Jim Irsay here in Indy, but I think you saw Houston do just that in this draft last night in the first round because they went out and got, again, arguably the second-best quarterback available in the draft with C.J. Stroud, while the whole month, Tony, leading up to this draft, everybody maintained nationally that Houston would not select a quarterback. They would go defense, so they go with C.J. Stroud, and then they trade back in and get the best defensive player in the draft, and that is Will Anderson. So you look at the top of the list of things that went right, teams that did well. You start with Houston. You factor in Philadelphia, who just continues to draft Georgia Bulldog defensive players. I mean, you talk about Carter and Smith, two defensive guys that have been outstanding in their careers in Athens, Georgia. Uh, that was huge for Philadelphia in round number one, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in just a second, but, yeah, the Colts, some shockwaves to a degree well, as well with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to get into that, but, you know, you talk about how the Texans blew it up, right? Mm-hmm. If we were to argue, JMV, who won this draft, is it the Texans by being able to trade up to that number three pick? It was the Cardinals who had that. They dropped down to eventually what is a number six in a whole trade with the Lions, I believe it was, and be able to pick up not only a quarterback for the future in C.J. Stroud, but a guy who arguably it was either him or Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr. as the best defensive player, or maybe the best athlete on the entire board. Yeah, Tony, they improved their top 11 yesterday, and that's a big deal. And in terms of you're saying, well, what do you mean about improving the top 11? I'm not talking about the 11 starters. I'm talking about, in this case, you've got um, a team, you're looking for defining members of the team, 
in specialty positions, for example. Quarterback is certainly Tony at the top of that list, and so is an edge rusher. This is where the Colts have to get back to because Chris Ballard had consistently over the years talked about the level in which you wanted to get this team in terms of depth. Well, now you sit there and they don't have a lot of depth and you sit there and you look at these frontline guys in the most important defining positions, Tony, in the NFL, they really haven't had that covered either. So that was defining for the Texans in getting back on track. I thought they had an excellent draft. And, you know, when we get to the Colts, uh, it could be argued, it'll be criticized. I'm not sure. I found it really hard to have much really issue-wise with what Chris Ballard did and what Shane Steichen did at quarterback well, and going number four overall with Richardson. So Let's talk about that. Anthony Richardson right there. Number four from the University of Florida going to the Indianapolis Colts. You're talking about a guy who has a season under his belt. 13 games, JMV. Under his belt, 57% uh, with the completions. But he does have 12 touchdowns uh, rushing with over a 1,000 yards on the ground. And as you have described and others have described, uh, this is a generational athletic talent that the new coach, Shane Steichen, and uh, the general manager, Chris Ballard, believe they can develop to be their quarterback of the future. And we should be clear, when it comes to the Colts, their first-round picks as quarterbacks are Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck in yep. this modern era. Uh, they've had some good luck when they get to pick. Well, and they've held the number one overall selection in those examples, too. And this was different. This was a number four. But getting back to both Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen, I think the thing I like the best about this is, to me, it's clear that Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay, even the owner, let Shane Steichen make that final decision. I mean, maybe it wasn't at all together, hey, this is on him, he's going to make this pick. But I think that he had a little bit more say in exactly Tony, the style of quarterback, the type of quarterback that he wanted to try to bring along. And make no mistake, that's exactly why he got signed to a six-year deal. That's their expectation. At the top of his resume coming from Philly as the offensive coordinator was, he developed quarterbacks at a very high an elite level. Philip Rivers, who was already well down the road, but he, he coached him up. He coached up Justin Herbert at the early stages, and you saw what he did with Jalen Hurts this past year. So that is job number one for Shane Steichen, and I love the fact that it appears that the Colts, Ballard and Ursay, let him have ultimately what he wanted. Let's get back to something else you pointed out. This I is the best athlete, Tony, in the history of the quarterback position entering the draft. Make no mistake about that. That's a big deal. I don't know if he can play quarterback. I don't think any of us know through 13 games of Florida whether or not he can play quarterback at the NFL level, but he is absolutely the most athletically gifted quarterback to ever enter the NFL. That's what we're looking at with Anthony Richardson. Let me uh, move off that and get some other weird things that took place in, in this draft, and I want to jump it down uh, to the number 12 pick. This was the Colts. Uh, not the Colts, I'm sorry, the Lions, who picked this up and that whole move with Arizona, the whole thing comes from Cleveland, the moves with Arizona and Houston, and they pick up Jameer Gibbs yeah. out of Alabama. And I don't think he was necessarily on anybody's radar this early in the draft, but you watch uh, the, the, the GM, right, uh, Brad Holmes, you watch the coach, Dan Campbell, after that pick, you would have thought somebody had brought them cake and ice cream and handed them checks and said, all your wishes have come true. The two happiest guys in America, the lions already have two running backs. 
what's the point here? Well, I mean, that's how and the style in which Dan Campbell wants to play for one. And getting back to the point you made about being happy and serve cake and all that, all these guys do it. Every draft room, after they make a pick, they act like they got exactly what they want. Now, it's funny, before the draft, it seems like nobody knows anything. Well, I don't know where this team is going in front of us. We're going to have to respond to. We're going to have to let the board talk to us or whatever BS that is. These guys know exactly what's going to be available, exactly what's going to be done, I think. Now, maybe there was a little bit of question at number four as to whether or not Anthony Richardson was going to be there for the Colts. But I maintain that they were in control and knew that. That's why they're so comfortable in staying at number four. But getting back to your Lions point, so you know, they go defense with Campbell, and they also go offense and running back uh, with Gibbs. I think that's just the way that Dan Campbell wants to play, the head coach. I think that kind of falls in line with what he wants. It sounds like that he had a great deal of input with Holmes, the general manager, and himself about the direction he wanted to continue to take this team. Because you could argue, Tony, you could argue that if you're talking about Will Levis, who was that quarterback that's still on the board in round number two as of right now, you could talk about with Jared Goff as the starter, maybe you should go ahead and start the clock on trying to bring somebody along as a future quarterback. They decided not to do that, and they went running back and they went linebacker in that draft because I think Dan Campbell, that's the style of which he wants to play. Let's let's talk uh, about it. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075 The Fan in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in the state of Indiana, Will Levis, University of Kentucky. I mean, the, the imagery of him sitting there at the draft, uh, Big Blue Bud on Twitter putting out brutal and unfair, man. Will Levis simply doesn't deserve this. The comeback story is going to go crazy, and it's just pictures of Will Levis just in a state of shock. I, th- I don't know if he's being hugged by his by his mom or, or his girlfriend, whatever the, 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 the case may, may be there. But I got to tell you, JMV, uh, he doesn't get picked in those first four. It's Bryce Young, it's C.J. Stroud, it's Anthony Richardson, and all of a sudden – He's on the drop into the second round. Is this a conversation about Will Levis not having the skills and it being all hype? Or is this a conversation about he just didn't fit those first three teams, but he's still an excellent quarterback. There just wasn't a quarterback need like there may have been in other drafts. Tony, you may have seen the dynamic. Let's just say we flip the roles here. Levis goes to the Colts. You may have seen Richardson drop a little bit, but he wouldn't have dropped all the way out of the first round into the second round. I still think that maybe, you know, the Raiders would have taken a shot. Maybe the Buccaneers would have taken a chance, or even maybe somebody would have traded back in at the end of round number one to secure Richardson. That's just the difference between what people believe the upside is, and it's a whole athletic dynamic going on here. But with Levis, I'm going to root for the guy because I think this is something people will suggest that he's a guy that plays off of emotion. He's a guy that wears, you know, all of his thoughts on his sleeve. And when you get undersold in front of America, as he did last night, there is no better motivational chip out there. And then in part, there was supposed an injury to a toe that people were skeptical about, maybe a little bit scared away from. But I would bet on this guy. I'd bet on this guy if he's a selection around number two, which is an assumption here that he goes someplace and it's going to benefit him to have that motivational chip on his shoulder for the embarrassment that he had to go through last night. And by the way, too, family members are not. The guy was lucky. He was surrounded by nothing but chicks last night, Tony. That's pretty sweet. A family members, girlfriend. 
Looked like he was in a pretty good no, spot I, for me. He's still going to make a, cash, a boatload of cash. But, yes, for a competitor like that, there's no doubt. It's embarrassing, but I think it's going to do him a service to be even better than people thought because so many people last night passed on him. He's going to want to make these people pay. That's yeah. a great motivational chip that you have going into the NFL, Tony. You, you, you got to assume because I looked at him and I'm like, somebody, you know, he's going to get on a team and somebody's going to try and Ryan Leaf this dude. Some some reporters going to try and get under his skin, try and make him crack. And he all falls apart. He wasn't the number one. He drops. He couldn't handle the there. Like that was the look when I saw him. That was the feel I got. But that's. That's about me having a bit of disdain for uh, – Well, we've been through that before, too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat there for a long time. If you remember, Lamar Jackson sat there for a long time in the green room waiting, too. So there are good stories of quarterbacks certainly being very good once they go through that in the NFL, and I think that's what's going to happen to Will Levis as well. At least I'm hoping for Let us break it down. Who won this draft? What's the team that walks away the winner in Uh, – I'll give you two right here, Tony. I think the Texans, we already talked about the Texans a little bit, too, what they did at the very top. I mean, you got two incredible talents, one the best defensive player in the draft, and uh, the second best quarterback, second best offensive player in the draft is what they got at the very top. That's incredible to me. And, again, what Philadelphia did, Philadelphia's just reloading defensively. They've already got a number of Georgia former defensive Jaylen players. Jalen Carter, man. You get Jalen Carter. Carter. Like, like that's yeah. something like not a top story. That's a monster guy. Monster guy. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, had some some situations, some red flags arise and that- fell a little bit. Probably would have gone much higher. Maybe would have gone much higher. But the fact they got him and Nolan Smith from Georgia defensively to fortify a defense that's already talented, as talented as anybody else, that is a huge win. That might even be better considering, Tony, where Philly is right now coming off participation to the Super Bowl for them that might even be bigger than ultimately the Houston thing just living in the now with what they did to fortify that defense yeah I'm I'm very much there that what the Texans did in the move up to getting pick three is splash but if we're talking about results it's amazing what you could do in a draft JMB when you already have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts you're already set you're not searching for those pieces you can really fortify now the question is who lost this thing (laughs) <laughs> Who in round one didn't deliver and took the pick that made you say, what the hell is this? Um, Probably, and maybe this is because how you look at the running back position and how devalued Tony it has been over the past decade plus. Maybe B. John Robinson out of Texas going to Atlanta. Was the number a eight? Of a surprise. Yeah, that was a surprise. And, and, and really, this is just me, and I guess an indictment on running backs right now. You brought up uh, Gibbs a little bit earlier. And I know that's the style, and I defended that in Dan Campbell, but maybe that wasn't the play either right there. So I think you could argue either the Lions or the Falcons going with running backs. And I can tell you this, Robinson sounds like an absolute gas. He sounds like a dude I can listen to all day long. And in terms of comparisons, he's supposed to be one of the best running backs we have ever seen come out of the draft in the past 10 or so years. So, you know, if he's better than what we have seen in the good days with a guy like Jonathan Taylor here locally – that would be outstanding. But, yeah, I would probably look at the running back position just in terms of value and where you may have, in terms of Detroit, being able to get somebody like Gibbs a little bit later on. I'd probably argue that. Not a lot, though, because they ultimately got what they wanted in the draft, and and that's the criteria here. Uh, before I let you go, man, Lamar Jackson sticking with yeah. the Ravens, that $187 million guaranteed. Um, 
That's still a tremendous amount of money. But the, we've now set the, the, the stage, man. The, the idea of the fully guaranteed contract is over. No one's trying it again. No, no, I don't think so either. But it's going to be something like this. And really, you know, you can't look back on it now. We wonder whether or not he needed representation. And as, you know, it panned out, he didn't need representation. And and, and Jalen Hurts kind of set the market for him, so he knew exactly where he wanted to go. And then, you know, Eric DaCosta and the company in Baltimore knew exactly where they wanted to go. And we just knew all the time this was ultimately going to get worked out because Baltimore, as you mentioned earlier, and rightly so, just had no other direction to go. And by the way, speaking of the draft, they draft wide receiver on the slot. Very quick, very athletic. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. So that makes the quarterback you just re-up for all that money, feel really good. You bring in Eldell Beckham Jr. That has to make him feel really good. This has been a team and a quarterback that has dealt with not a lot of talent at the skill positions at wide receiver in Baltimore. And certainly in the past month or so, and certainly last night, they got a lot better. And as we're discussing, as we discuss Anthony uh, Richardson, there comes a moment where you can't have your quarterback just be the mobile quarterback. They got to have places uh, to to throw the ball. And that's clearly what the Ravens have given uh, Lamar Jackson. JMV, I appreciate the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. cliche uh, to say that this experience forever changed me. People say that, oh, I had this experience and I'm forever changed. I don't think I'm forever changed on the border from one visit for 36 plus hours. I think I can clearly say that I'm only scratching the surface with what I already know. And the truth is, I think that's the truth everywhere. Don't let the social media people fool you. The difference between us and them is we're going to go figure out all the parts of the subject. That's what I'm working on when it comes to the border. And I'll bring you everything I got. Find everything at TonyCats.com Monday, everyone. Take care.